And welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material Brand, which brings you Front Row Material and Front Row Referee. My name is Mike Freeland. Thank you so much for listening. We do truly appreciate that. We're getting some great downloads again this month. Continue to go ahead and share with your friends and family who like listening to wrestling podcasts and just like listening to uh, some friends banter back and forth about wrestling and about life itself. Coming up on the program tonight, the Butster and I are going to be talking about Will Ospreay decided to sign with AEW over WWE. Eric Bischoff weighs in on that and says why he may have made that decision. We're also going to be talking about Full Gear. Yep, it's in our rearview mirror now. What were the hits and misses? Ronda Rousey, is she officially with AEW or was this just a one-off? All of that and so much more. But right now, let me go ahead and bring him on in. He is my brother from the north. He's Christopher Butt. What's going on, brother? This is it, Michael. It's uh, another Tuesday night hanging out with you. Things are good. Uh, the weather is not so good. But I have internet again. Didn't have That's internet good. For uh, about a day or so. Oh, wow. That wasn't good. Uh, right now, we have a freezing rain storm happening right now. Wow. So that's fun. Uh, but you know what, man? Life's good. I got a roof over my head. As you can see, the lights are on. I don't know how long they'll be on for. You got a big storm happening. My internet is working. It could be worse. It could be worse. You're absolutely right. And uh, a, a sleet ice storm happening right now. I mean, is there any snow in the forecast or just freezing rain? Uh, we got maybe half an inch of snow today while I was at work. Then it switched to rain, freezing rain, hail, snow, just nasty. It was a bit of a slower drive home. But hey, it's what it is. It's December, or sorry, November, in the November. Live in Canada. What can you expect? I mean, that's just the way it is. You know what I mean? I agree. It could be a hell of a lot worse. Could How be. are you? You know what? I'm okay. Um, Well, that's a lie. I'm not. I just found out that I actually have to have three teeth removed. And not only do I have three teeth removed, but I was told that I have to either choose to get uh, implants uh, put in, which are basically artificial teeth, which could set me back 15 grand if I go ahead and do it. I could have the three teeth removed and then I could wear a partial, uh, which may be an option. Or I could take the three teeth out and do nothing. Uh, so I'm trying to make that a determination right now. But here's here's the thing about this. I don't got no 15 grand right now to be jacking all my teeth. Are you kidding me? Look, look, listen. I'll eat cream corn and mashed potatoes. All right. I'm not going without food. All right. I don't care how much my mouth hurts. <laughs> There's the food. The food is still going to go down the gullet. So we have no worries about that okay where are the teeth are they talking in the back we talking molars. front teeth they're in the back they're the molars oh buddy you got molars on the other side let them go i was about to say i got them on the other side and the tops too so 15k that's a 15 of money. it is like, and it, come well, he, on, man. he told me he said you know if you don't get uh the teeth like fixed with an implant what's going to happen is all your teeth in your mouth are going to shift and then within X amount of years, you're going to have $50,000 worth, worth of, of issues. Now, here's the deal. Look, I'm no rocket scientist here, but you know what? I know a lot of people who've had their teeth pulled. And I also know that not everyone has had their entire mouth shift. And if it does come to that, then get rid of the rest of them. You know what? Whoa. That, the hell with it. What's a partial cost? Partial is going to be about a grand U.S. dollars. Oh, get that, Mike. It's only $1,000. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get that. I mean, I mean don't get me wrong. Thousand dollars is still a lot of money. It's, but it's not fifteen grand. But you know, it's not ridiculous. I'm not going to be trying to, you know, pull tricks on the street corner anymore. I can't do that. I can't get away with that stuff anymore. Well, if you didn't have them in the front, you could probably charge extra. I could. You're right. Call it the gummer. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that sounds very enticing, doesn't it? Come on over here. Oh, my God. You got problems. I mean, I, I started, but you always take everything to the next level. I do. I do. I take That's pride okay. in that. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, gosh. It, it been, and the funny thing was I said, hey, is this something that I've done? Like, you know, did I bring this upon myself? Do I have bad dental hygiene or whatever? He said, no. He says, look like you brush your teeth. You don't really have any issues other than these three. And I said, well, let me share something with you. My sister also has those three teeth missing as well, molars as well. And he said, genetics plays a big factor. You know, he goes with with his mom and dad. He said, my mom's side of the family, my 96-year-old grandma has all of her teeth, never had a cavity. She comes in for cleanings all the time. Not a single problem. My dad's side of the family, everyone's teeth was just dog shit. And he said, somehow through the birth canal, I end up getting my mom's side of the family's teeth. He goes, sometimes it's just a crapshoot. So good for him. Shitty for you, but good yeah. for him. So I've been using Aura Gel because there's a big hole with the nerve exposed. And every time my heart beats, it, 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 you know, it does that. They didn't pack it closed for yeah. you? They didn't do shit. No, not Why? yet. They said I gotta go see a uh I gotta see an oral surgeon and what do they call those? It's like a there's a certain word for it. Um periodontist. It may be, let's see, but it's it starts with an M. Let's see, oral surgeon. It's like a max maxiliofacial surgeon. Oh, you're gonna see a guy about a facial? I guess so. I thought I had. I thought I had. Sure close your eyes. Buy me dinner first. You can do whatever he wants. All right. Um. Let's go ahead and let's talk a little wrestling. You ready for this? Let's go. Uh. Full Gear is in our rearview mirror. Full Gear was the big pay per view for AEW that ran this past Saturday from the Kia Forum in Los Angeles. Uh, reportedly, there was over ten thousand uh, people that were in attendance. So it was a really, really good attendance for a pay per view. And, and here's the thing about AEW, Butster. They always put on great pay-per-views like Dynamite and Rampage and Collision. Say what you will about the weekly shows. But the one thing I will say is when they step up for a pay-per-view, they really do a good job on their pay-per-views. And this show, I would say, did a banger of a job with just one small issue. Uh, did you get to see the pay-per-view? I have not. Unfortunately, I was... Uh... I was busy all weekend at a CFB Kingston. That's right. We got to get to that as well. Yeah, it, I'll be getting to it. Uh, I'll probably have to watch it throughout three evenings this week, but I will be watching. I did read about it. So I'm not spoiling anything for you. No, no. I, okay. I read about it on Bleacher Report. Um, your take on it and Bleacher Report's take on it. Oh, Michael, it's a little bit different. Uh, okay, so he, here's what I will say about the, the pay-per-view itself. So with Zero Hour, you had Claudio Castagnoli, and he took on Buddy Matthews. And I thought it was a good match. I really thought it was a good match. And I, I mean, I would give that one a solid B+. Um, MJF was supposed to be looking for a tag team partner. He found the tag team partner in Samoa Joe. Now, the stipulation was that if he filled in for Adam Cole on this pay-per-view and they retained the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship, that Samoa Joe would subsequently get a rematch for the title. That was the step on that one. Well, Samoa Joe and MJF did retain the championship, so 
Samoa Joe now is in line to get uh, a title shot. And from what I'm hearing is that's going to be in Long Island um, when the world ends, is I believe the next pay-per-view that's going to be happening. So, But here's the part where it gets a little weird. I'll talk about the rest of the card, but this is where it got weird. So at the end of the match, you had the guns and you had Jay White. And they, after Max and Samoa Joe won and beat the guns, they went ahead and attacked Max. And they took a steel chair, bashed his knee in, bashed his thigh, the whole nine yards. No one comes out to help him. Joe goes out to the back, or he leaves. He's done. Sorry. No one comes out to save Max, and Max ends up getting stretchered out. All of a sudden, Adam Cole is backstage. They load him into the ambulance. He is yelling to Adam Cole, Cole, whatever you do, promise me they won't strip me of my title. They were going to strip him of his title and give it to Jay White. That's what the announcers were talking about. However, they said they found a replacement, and Adam Cole said he would step in to replace MJF. Now, here's where things get just absolutely redonkulous. How do you, even from a logical standpoint, Adam Cole allegedly had two surgeries, right? And he couldn't compete in the tag match. So how would he get cleared to theoretically replace MJF and go against Jay White for the AEW World Championship? It doesn't make any sense. Like, like Tony, I don't know if anybody asked him at the, the press conference afterwards. That doesn't make sense to me. To quote... A not-so-wise man, Vince Russo, swerve. It's stupid. It's, it makes it, no it, sense. Uh, it, it literally, like, I don't understand the concept behind it. There's um, no rhyme or reason to that. Like, you can't, you just can't make sense of that. No, you can't. Right. But. So MJF ends up coming back. He ends up by the end of the pay-per-view for the main event, drives the ambulance back into the arena, as we've seen a bajillion times in wrestling. Drives it back, hobbles to the ring. He ends up having his match with Jay White. Uh, Jay White attacks the leg, this and that. Adam Cole ends up coming out, being in the corner of Max. Well, Max ups retaining. Max wins. He retains the championship, which again, why would you go to all this hullabaloo if Max was going to win, do you know what I mean? Like you would think if somebody was going to get attacked, that would lead to maybe the dropping of the title or I'm assuming you read this on Bleacher Report too as well. Correct. Absolutely. I read all this. So let me ask you this question and get your opinion and and anybody else who's listening, uh, please, uh, I'll by all means chime in and hit me up on social media and let me know. Here's what I thought would have happened. I would think that, if MJF would have got his leg bashed in, he gets taken away in an ambulance. That would have been the perfect scenario, perfect opportunity for the devil to show up. Do you know what I mean? Adam Cole to basically say, ha ha ha, fake the injury, have a banger match with Jay White, win the championship because he's filling in for Max. And now he's basically circumvented going through Max to get the championship from Jay White. Now you're off to the races. Adam Cole was the devil the whole time, and yada, yada, yada. That's a good call. I never thought about that. I, I like where you're going with this. But but now, you still have an injured, allegedly, I guess. I don't even know if it's real. I don't know if anyone knows if his, if his ankle stuff is real. 
I would assume it would be real. Did you see the way he landed, Mike, on what was it, dynamite however many weeks ago? Yeah, it's he... man, it's legit. I'd be okay. shocked if that's not legit. Okay. He jumped off the ramp, right? Yeah. No, to the extent, like I don't know, but he got hurt. So he was so he was at least injured to some degree. I think so. I mean, I'm I'm no doctor. Right. But just from seeing the video, yeah, he got an owie out of that. Okay. But I just don't get it. Like, why would you why would you go to all that trouble to just bury Jay White and have him lose? So, like, why wouldn't you just have a great banger match between Jay White and MJF, which would have been just top notch? But you go through all this bullshit about Max allegedly getting hurt, and then all of a sudden the Cole thing didn't end up happening. And then there was no devil showing up at the pay-per-view. So now you're not, you're just kind of like, well, well, what happened? Like, it's unfortunately another example of not the greatest booking. It's wrestling. So you had to throw logic out the window. You do. I agree. But there still has to be some, like it, it has, the story has to make sense. It does. And this one, and this is this is a big grape that they had on on Bleacher Report. That it it, it was it was fooey. Plain I and mean, simple, that was just pure fooey. It was it was so silly, and it was such a blatant mistake. It wasn't like, you know, oh well, it could have been looked at this. Way. There's no way to look at it. They could have done better, and they should have done better. Really. Well, you have a pay-per-view, you know, the fact that they had MJF wrestling twice on one show. Correct. One pay-per-view, I yes. think maybe a stretch. I you agree. can do better with that too. Yes. I also don't think he should be the Ring of Honor tag team champion. No, either. I agree. Honestly. I agree. I'm not a big fan of the two belt going on. I I don't care for it. It We've had this discussion. I know we have personally. I'm sure we have on the show. You're just tying up two belts, two championships with one person. Spread the wealth around. I think it was when we talked about Roman one time. Mm -hmm. Spread the wealth around. And this was a, a missed opportunity. They could have went five different ways. And unfortunately, they didn't go with either one of them. You, when you do this, you keep putting yourself in into a, I don't want to say a hole, but it's kind of a hole because you limit where you can go from here. You had many different avenues that you could go with. Yes. Now you've got yourself back to, well, we know what it is. It's MJF and, and Small Joe. That's where it's going to go from here. However, at point you brought up, if they had Cole win, Cole becomes your champion. If you want to go that route, Cole's the devil. Or Cole wins. Now he's like, well, MJF, uh, you're only still a champion because I won your match for you. I want to go at the belt. You could go that route. It would have opened up more avenues to go differently than this and the whole ambulance thing, it's played out too it's many times. Too so many much. times. Yes. I get it's recycled or it's wrestling, so everything was recycled. 
I understand that because you can only do so much. That I mean, that's just life. True. But this has been done. Oh my lord, I don't know how many times, but it's been done to death. Can we not come up with something else? Have them show up in an Uber. <laughs> no, seriously. No, I ran out of the hospital. I got an Uber. Yeah. That would be better. They could have put the uh, tracking on the screen as he's driving back to the uh, Kia you know, Forum. Something like that, you know, I I got a checkered cab back. I fuck I don't I carjacked somebody. I don't know. <laughs> better than an be ambulance. Yes. Because the ambulance has been done. It's it's been the done. The ambulance has been done. The times. police car has been done. I mean it's uh right. I mean no, I, I get it's hard to do original because it's, it's all been done, but you can but, do better. But why injure Max in the beginning? Okay, let, let's just kind of start there. What was the point of injuring Max if there wasn't going to be a reason to injure him? Meaning if he's injured, he makes himself more susceptible to getting beat by Jay White, which basically plays in the hands of Bullet Club Gold makes sense to me or he gets injured because somehow the devil is involved in with bullet club gold or it's somebody close to max there had to have been something when the devil never showed up it kind of made me think to myself well okay we we're losing a little momentum on this now but are you saying to me that even if cole would have filled in cole and let's say cole would have won right hypothetically follow me on this he would have retained it for Max, and he would not have won it himself. Is that, Am I in, in interpreting that correct? That's my take on because he's filling in for Max. He's Max's replacement. Okay. So then you could go the whole route of, like I said, you're only the champion because of me. So now you got your little bit of a, of, of a tear. Or you could go that route anyhow. Do it subtly every once in a while. No, they're still buddies. They're right. still the Ring of Honor champions. Every once in a while, Cole slides in a little, little bit of a zinger. Hey, you know, hey, you remember at Full Gear? No, you were hurt. I won the title for you. And you go that route a couple times. Nothing over the top, but right. just a scattered little little barb we'll say and then and then you play the okay M Jeff gets a little pissy about it and then oh no we're buddies da 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 I didn't mean it that way I was just pointing out the obvious something like that and then you could build off of that a little bit that would be one route you could go uh if I'm talking crazy here please please speak up please say so but no this in makes my sense, head though. you could play that card it'd be something a little bit different you could still keep going with the Samoa Joe and MJF feud, but you got a little sprinkling, just a little, little bit, a little bit of salt and pepper thrown in there. With Adam Cole, there's a little bit of friction between Cole and MJF. Not enough to take away from MJF and Joe because you want that to be the centerpiece. Correct. But you want to have that little bit with Cole because it creates, it, it gives you the, uh, what are you drinking that's fizzy like that? Drinking something called Starry. You ever hear that? Get it from the Valero, the Dollar General. Maybe. Yeah. Family Dollar. There you go. Never heard of Family Dollar. It's nice. Never seen a Family Dollar. Yeah. Well, we got them. 
Is Well, funny. you live in a foreign country, so you wouldn't have these kind of things. You're a knucklehead. Anyhow, but you could go that route to just keep it keep it going. You have the coal on the back burner. They're still champions. They're still having matches defending their title. But every once in a while, maybe a move goes sideways. Nothing over the top, but, you know, a scattered something. And you build a little bit there, so you, you kind of have almost two storylines going at once to build. MJF goes over Joe, you know, so you have that payoff. But then you're instantly back into something with Cole. A couple of weeks later, something happens. Cole makes a smart comment. MJF loses his mind because he, he can be a little narcissistic. Right, that's one of the things we love about him. He is our scumbag. He, he's just like, listen, I get it, Adam. You helped me, but I'm sick of hearing you talk about it and remind me and bring it up. You know, if you think you're the cat's meow, you think you're the only reason I'm still the champion, prove it. Let's go. And they go that route, and then you have a little program there. So you got MJF, and you get another six months of MJF as your champion. Another story, and you get the cold payoff. Joe's got his little bit of a payoff there where you go with Joe. I'm not quite sure. I haven't thought that through yet. But you can you can start your next storyline with MJF and Cole. And you can also get the belts off them. No, so now you have another championship that's being used and defended by somebody other than MJF. I think it could just open up more doors. Does what I'm saying make any sense? No, whatsoever? it does make sense. It it makes a lot of sense. And I'm I like where you're going with this, but so basically, Joe is just a bump in the road. Essence, he he's not going to become your champion, correct? Hundred percent. He's okay. just a filler. He's just a filler. Because I'm thinking to myself, you know, when we talk about, you know, what's next, and and we've been talking about, you know, MJF being the champion for a while. So, in your mind, is it still the next person is going to be Cole? Is that what you're saying? The next guy who's going to be the champion will be Adam Cole. The next legit challenger is going to be Adam Cole. Well, who I don't. Be? I don't think Joe is a legit challenger. I think okay. this is, like I said, it's just a fill-in to okay. to get you to the next storyline okay. of Cole and MJF. That's what I think they're going. Have you have you changed your mind whatsoever on who you think the devil is? In your opinion, because I, I have, still don't know who it is. I think they've done this really well in a lot of ways. I do. Better than Uncle Howdy? Oh, poor Uncle Howdy. Never really got a chance after. Uh, I still want to know who Uncle Howdy was. It, it was uh, it was Bo Dallas. Come was on. it legit? You think it was, it was Bo? legitimate Bo Dallas? Yes. Okay. I, I didn't. I hadn't heard that it was legit Bo Dallas. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to more stuff about. Um, about full gear, which I thought it was really good. Jim Cornette, by the way, uh, was not very happy with the Swerve Strickland uh, Hangman Adam Page match, which was very, um, it was bordering on gratuitous. It was bordering on it, but it, it was still, you have to watch it. It's one of these matches that you have to see because I thought personally, I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was, it told a great story. Um, it was super violent, 
super violent. When I say there was a lot of blood, I mean, we're not talking JBL, um, Eddie Guerrero, like spurting, but there was a lot. I mean, I've, I've, I read a couple things. I don't know what Cornette's going on about. God only knows what Cornette's going on about. But a couple things I read about, meh. I don't know. I like a good, tough, physical, hardcore match. Stapler? Really, bud? Have we not gotten past that? Uh, Yeah, but there's certain things that are just kind of, no pun intended, staples in uh in matches like this like barbed wire you're never gonna get away from barbed wire you're, you're gonna never gonna get the pizza cutter again sponsored by Domino's. yeah that was a big that was a big uh fart in church that didn't work out well which but, <laughs> you couldn't have got better advertising or, oh my god or worse advertising I, I don't know where you want to go with that if uh if you haven't chance to see the, the the replay definitely check out this match um it was swerve strickland versus hangman adam page swerve comes out on top but it wasn't a straight one-on-one. Prince Nana and Brian Cage also got involved as well. Uh, it did surprise me that nobody came out to help out Adam Page. But you know what? It is what it is. Um, seems to be there's some issues between he and the Bucks since they dropped the six-man. Obviously, the Bucks have an issue with Kenny because Kenny is obviously now teaming with Jericho as the Golden Jets. The Golden Jets beat the Young Bucks on the pay-per-view. Uh, with the number one contendership that was on the line. So now the Bucks go back down to the bottom of the list, and Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho end up uh, taking on, they're the number one contenders to take on Big Bill and Ricky Starks, which, speaking of them, they retained in a four-team ladder match, which I thought was a great ladder match. Uh, what did Bleacher Report say? Uh, Bleacher Report gave that one a B, I believe it was. Okay, gave it a on B. Uh, they, they were talking about, Ricky Starks is just, they really put over Ricky Starks. Uh, give me a moment to find it, Henry. But your, yeah, they, they, they were all about Ricky Starks from what I read. They thought he was the cat's meow. Okay. I'm just trying to find it here. Bear with me. Because well, our preparedness, like every week, is half-assed. <laughs> As you're looking for that, I'm going to throw something out here. When I think of Ricky Starks and Big Bill, what I automatically see is Diesel Shawn Michaels. That's what I see. I see a reincarnation of those two guys. That's not bad. I see the big man. I see the cocky young guy. I see that kind of stuff. It was a good match. It was a great match. Um, as you're looking for what Bleacher Report has to say, well, I'm also, what did they give that one? So Bleacher Report, yeah, they gave it a B. They gave it a B, okay. Uh, top moments and takeaways. The commentary team doubled down on the reason for Starks and Big Bill choosing the ladder match stipulation being the height of the ladder, Big Bill. Um, Starks steals the spotlight every time he is on camera. Yeah. Whether it's in AEW or elsewhere, 100% true. I agree. Uh, he's going to be a guy who headlines pay-per-views and makes boatloads of money for his employer. 100% again. No, I agree with that. And uh, the other two uh, points that they make, I really can't comment down because I haven't seen it. Uh, there's some wicked ladder bumps. Yeah, there. And, and I think that's a big knock on AEW is that they, they take way, way too many liberties. Um, I think there was a comment that uh, Adam Copeland made recently about teaming with Darby. I think they did a match on Collision, and he pulled Darby aside and said, listen, dude, you got to tone it down. They and... Do. Uh, he, it's just too much at one time. 
Um, but once again, that's kind of who he is. And evidently he has flown. Uh, he caught a red eye after the pay-per-view and he flew to, I want to say it was China. And he is going to be doing uh, training because he's going to climb Mount Everest. Because he's what? He's going to climb Mount Everest. Evidently Darby Allen's going to climb Mount Everest. Mount Everest. Yeah, you heard it. Mount Everest. Good for him. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have trouble climbing three flights of stairs. Yeah, no. I mean, I wear Velcro shoes. I don't bend over to tie anything. You kidding me? Right, but Mount Everest, good for him. I yeah. hope he does it. He does well, and and he's safe. That's, that's the most important part. Uh, we are coming up to the top of the hour, which we're going to be switching over from front row material to front row referee. Really exciting about uh, tonight's uh, segment as well. We'll be talking about uh, payoffs and not only payoffs, but promoters. What are some good promoter stories? And without saying too much, we always like to protect the innocent. What's it like when you're an independent referee? Uh, have you had any good, bad stories, good experiences, bad experiences? We're going to get into all of that. Um, but before we go to the top of the hour, I do want to mention something really quickly. I read an article earlier today, and I want to get your comments quickly on this one. But Will Ospreay uh, chose to sign with AEW. He's going to finish out his contract with New Japan. He's going to be on the road to revolution. Looks like he's going to be finishing up in February with New Japan. Now, Eric Bischoff on his podcast had mentioned why he thinks that he re or he decided to sign with AEW. He said he thinks it's a good move because there's a lot more freedom to be himself as an artist and a performer than the corporate machine that would have been WWE slash Endeavor, whatever it may be. He would have been a lot more uh, produced and uh, that would have taken away from basically who he is as a person. And a lot of people around Will had mentioned to Bischoff that they felt like that was the same way. He's one of those artist who takes pride in what he does and it's not necessarily about championships and whatnot what's your take on that do you agree with that or do you feel like that might be uh just one man's opinion that's no, a pretty simple answer to that uh bischoff's right creativity plain and simple if he goes to endeavor wwe whatever they're going by these days he's got to fit into the wwe mold yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. There's been a lot of great talent come out of WWE. I'm not cutting them. It's not a slight. But in AEW, he has a lot of control, a lot of creativity. Yeah, no, and I agree. I think he's further ahead. He's still going to make good money. Right. It's not like he's signing for pittance here. They're bringing him in. He's getting paid. He'll probably still be able to do, not that, He's doing indies, but you know he'll still be able to do a show here, a show there. It's a later schedule for him, so less wear and tear on the body. So, in theory, should extend his career a little bit. I think it's probably the right call because Osprey has a, it's a high impact style. It very much is. So, I, I mean, agree. if you tone that back to one or two matches a week, versus if he's going to WWE, he's he's on the road five. Yeah. No, you're talking twice as many matches or more. So you got yeah. twice as many bangs, bumps, and everything else. It's probably a smart move, really. You, you got to think about this, too. Wembley Stadium Part 2. Will's going to be a huge portion of that. I mean, as far as selling tickets. Let's not go there. I'm just saying. I think I think it had a lot to do with it. I do believe it had a lot to do with it. We will we will table the Will Ospreay discussion Uh 
till a later time. We'll also, I promise you, get to Ronda Rousey before all is said and done. But it is the top of the hour. It is front row referee time now. Guys, this is the segment of the show where we talk to wrestling referees. We ask them all the juicy details and stories. We protect the innocent. No names are revealed, but just all the fun and hilarity that comes with it. Joining us tonight, as always, is Nick Papa G. Let's go ahead here and bring him on in. Nick, how you doing tonight, buddy? Good. Well, how are you guys? I am great. I am great. Joining us for another week. We appreciate your insight in the world of refereeing. Of course. Uh, Nathan Speckman, how you doing, buddy? First time on the show. Glad that uh, glad to have you on here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. To think about some good, juicy stories about working in the world of a referee. Oh, I'm full of good juicy stories. <laughs> Nick, so let's let's go ahead and let's let's start off with you here. So the topic for tonight is payoffs. Obviously, we don't have to give specific dollar amounts, but we know as independent wrestlers, sometimes the payoffs are we've been told by wrestlers, hot dog and a handshake. Uh, sometimes it's tw- 20 bucks. Uh, sometimes it's just for the sake of experience. So when you were first breaking in, let me ask you this. You get done training. You start to try to get booked. Was it even covering your gas money? Uh, it, it really depends on, you know, the promotion and stuff like that. You know, how, you know, how long, you know, where you got trained at to, you know, the reputation of the school and stuff like that uh, was always one thing. But, you know, really, it depends on, you know, um, promoter. That's really literally what it comes down to, you know, till this day. It's the, it's the same thing. I'm like, you know, there are some promoters that are just so carny nowadays. I'm like, you know, you know, shake your hand. I'm like, God, here's 10 bucks. I'm like, yeah, well, I drove eight, eight, eight hours. You know, I'm like, still goes on nowadays. It, you know, it's sad, you know, on that. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Hey, do you guys not agree? So, so a random promoter reaches out to you, Nick or, or Nathan. Like, hey, we want to bring you in for this weekend's show. I would assume it's like, okay, I'll come in to Federation, whatever it would be. It's 200 bucks. It's 500 bucks. It's a grand. It's whatever it would be. Do you not expect like maybe half up front type of thing and half when you get there? Exactly. How does that work? I, I Please don't take it as I'm asking for specifics on what you make. I don't mean it that way. Please. That's, that's not my deal. But I just, I know for regards to me, like you said, Nick, I'm driving 800 miles, which is like 17 million kilometers from the <laughs> I'm not doing it without gas money and hotel money up front. Mm. Just not happening. Exactly. Maybe I'm way off base. So exactly how does that work? Is it a little bit up front or you just hope for the best when you get there? So I think it depends on uh, who you are, who you're working for. Um what you want out of the scenario. Um, I think oftentimes if a promoter reaches out to you, uh, if they do, if they don't ask you about pay, uh, you can certainly say, Oh, by the way, this is my rate or uh, start the conversation yourself. Um, But, uh, and you, you can, you can have a set rate or you can have a flex rate in terms of, how many miles you're going, um, you can add on to your what your normal base rate is uh, to cover gas or anything like that. If you have the assumption that maybe they're not going to do it for you, um, you I think oftentimes 
I'm five years in, and so I'm still trying to look at things from a perspective of, is this a worthwhile opportunity for me, whether or not I get paid? Um, or th there's certain passion projects, I'll call them, that um, like very re the most recent show that I worked, uh, I did not talk to the promoter about money at all up front um, because this was a promotion that used to run uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s that I'd go and watch as a kid with my with my family. And they recently started back up again and asked me to be a part of it. And I just said, yes, absolutely. Um, because it meant a lot to me personally uh, to be a part of it and that they asked me to be a part of it. Um, getting paid was just a bonus on top of that. Um, but in terms of your question uh, about um, asking for half up front, personally, I've never done that, um, but I, uh, I, I feel like you could if you wanted to. Um, I don't know how many promoters would go for that or they just uh, hang up the, the phone or whatever and, and look for the next ref. I don't really know. Just, the, the reason I bring that up is I'm obviously not a referee, but I have a little woodworking business. So if someone were to contact me to do a job, okay, cool. I need half up front. I got to cover materials. In case they stiff me for the other half, they don't come pick them up, and I got to make a little bit. Once, but that—that's just I'm looking at it from completely not in the wrestling realm. Just if you're going to drive a couple hundred miles, gas ain't cheap. You know your time's not free. You know you got your food, your hotel, your time away from your family, so on and so forth. I'm just thinking for me that would be a route I would want to go. I could be completely off base. Like, man, maybe more be like, yeah, uh, no, uh, go to hell. You're a knucklehead. Bye bye. Click and hang up. I have no idea. I'm just thinking for regards from my view here. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, I guess I've always wondered this, and, and, and Nick, let me throw this one at you. With the with the wrestlers and the refs, I would always assume that it would be kind of handled business wise the same. With, with both, but it seems like there might be a little bit of difference between the two. Am I correct in that? They're different worlds as far as, you know, bringing somebody in, pay and all that kind of stuff. Would that be something that they're just, they're, it's just apples and oranges? You know, like, if, you know, certain like home promotions, you know, I got, you know, I work with a different, you know, almost like a rotating crew over like H2O, for example. You know, I have like one, you know, one kid under me, stuff like that. Uh, usually nine times out of ten, I'm like I usually like to get, you know, deathmatch, you know, referees and stuff like that. No offense to all the other referees, but you know I can't work like you know if there's four deathmatches on the show, I'm like I can't work all four of them. You know, it's just you know not fair on my you know on my end um, or anything like that. But no, and like as far as like you know bookings and stuff like that go, I you know I treat it the same as you know anything else. I'm like some of the you know boys and girls that come to the show. You know, they'll bring friends. I'm like, hey, you know, my buddy's a ref. You know, he's been doing it for, you know, X amount of years. You know, if you can throw him a bone, you know, throw him a match or two, you know, appreciate it. You know, I have no problems doing stuff like that, too. You know, makes make you know makes the show, you know, flow a lot easier, too, you know, on top of that. But, you know, as far as, like, bookings go, you know, like, I treat it the same way. I'm like, I do my bookings three months out. I'm like, I didn't start doing, you know, 2024 yet or anything like that. That's just... Too off, you know, that's off to the horizon right now. But you know, I, that's what I usually do. I'm like, you know, it's, you know, when I talk to different promoters, I save the messages, you know, as far as it comes to pay and stuff like that. Just so I know, I'm like, 
hey, you know, we agreed to this amount three months ago. You know, you know, I, you know, recently that happened to me a couple couple weeks ago. Like, hey, we agreed to this amount back in July, and you gave me this. Well, that's, you know, you know, sorry, but you know, I'm probably not going to work for you again. So, when you guys agree to to do a show, uh, is it a based on per match? So, say you're going to show up and do it, do somebody's event. Okay, I'll do two matches for this much money. I'll do three matches for this much money. Or is it just you show up and they let you know how many matches you're doing? How exactly is it that works? Again, I think it uh, depends on what promotion you're working for. But uh, in my experience, you'll get the same rate if you work one match or if you ref five matches. Um, you have if the if the promoter has their uh, has their stuff together. They have everybody's pay before the show starts. And so they have your name on an envelope with your rate in it. And if if whatever happens, you work, end up getting there and you just work one match, you're getting that same rate. Um, or if the other ref doesn't show up and you're doing the whole show, you get that same rate. Um, you could, I suppose, open up a conversation of, hey, uh, I worked... X number of matches more than what I thought I was going to. Could I get a little bit more? You could certainly do that. Uh, then they could probably come back to you and say, hey, last month you only did one match. So can I have some of that money back? So it really just depends. Um, but um, I think for the most part, you have an agreed upon rate. Uh, if you let that rate be known to promoters, then that's the rate you're going to get for the show. Nate, let me ask you this as kind of a follow-up as well. I think it's interesting. Um, uh, Nick had mentioned, you know, hardcore matches or death matches or something, something to that nature. Do you, when yeah. you're getting booked, what do you ask what I'm going to be involved in or, or what, what is going to be happening here? And the, the only reason I bring that up is because, you know, you may be asked, are you going to take a bump? or there's going to be blood involved. And, and there's a lot of things people feel comfortable with, and there's clearly things people don't feel comfortable with. Is there a situation where they give you a heads up before you agree and they say, well, guess what? There's a little extra because X, Y, and Z may happen, whether or not, you know, whether it's bleeding or whatnot. Um, how much of that is pre-discussed before you end up agreeing to doing it? Um. That's a good question. I suppose it depends on how much, again, the promoter has their stuff together. Uh, nine times out of 10, I feel like on the indies, you're going to show up the day of, and that's when you find out everything. Um, I, at my home promotion, Limitless Wrestling up in Maine, um, I'll reach out to the promoter uh, quite a ways ahead of the show and just say, hey, do you have anything figured out? Um, the the other referee, Eric Greenleaf, and I will do that together. Um, we'll try to map out the card. That's one thing that we've done is we take that responsibility off of the promoter since he has so much to do already. We together decide who's refing what matches. Um, and so for the most part with Limitless shows specifically, I'll know ahead of time what the match order is and what matches I'm doing. Um, it's not always the case, but... Uh, nine times out of 10, I'd say I know um, in terms of like bump taking or anything it again, if the promoter has stuff planned out ahead of time, I might find out about it, but most of the time I'm finding out the day of the show. 
Wow. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I would want to know, you know, ahead of time before I, you know, make that commitment and drive all the way to X amount of place if I have to, you know, be part of a spot or something like that. Maybe that's me just being super uh, overly cautious. Nick, uh, would you agree with that? Or, or do you say, you know what, uh, we, I trust the guys that you work with, you know, I, I've worked with them previously. Or do you say, oh man, I'm kind of rolling the dice here. If, uh, if I'm going to go ahead and be part of a, a spot in a match just for my said same amount. Yeah, most of most of the shows nowadays, I'm like the roster will have you know little um, you know Facebook group group chats, you know where the promoter will put you know the you know the card up there. You know most most of the time, you know it's usually at least the shows that I'm doing lately, like they're usually about a week ahead of time. You know I just got a I just got a card for the uh, for one of the shows I have at the end of December. Um, on there, he's actually got the order and stuff like that, and then you know we'll we'll go through you know if there's you know two or three of us you know as far as the referees go, you know we'll do it the day of the show and stuff like that. Right, here's what we're doing, blah 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 blah. You know not you know nothing you know nothing insane or anything like that, but at least I know what you know what you know how many matches we have. You know we'll time you know we'll time it out that way. I'm like hey, you know if, if this is streaming live on like you know Fight TV, IWTV, you know what you know what have you. You know, we like to time it out that way for those guys too. I'm like, hey, this shows eight matches. You know, it should be done in you know two and a half hours. You know, if we're lucky. You know, you know, you know what indie show actually gets done in two and a half hours nowadays is well, <laughs> it's neither here or there. But you know, but yeah, that's usually how. That's usually at least you know my end nowadays. That's how it's done. Nate, you'd mentioned before. Sometimes it's uh, it's a passion project, or it's something that you're you know you're wanting to really kind of establish yourself and and kind of get your reputation and your body of work out there. Is there anything that when you first start out taking a booking that there might be some additional things that may be expected of the referees to also do? Um, are they also associated with uh, maybe the ring crew or chairs or anything to that nature, or is it just hey? show up to the building just like the guys and gals and then uh, just wait for the show to start? Or could there be some other things? Uh, yeah, I, I think all of the above. Um, if uh, you get, you know, like Nick said, if there's a Facebook message group or whatever for the show and it says call time is, you know, 5 p.m., uh, and it doesn't. You haven't been told anything specific. Then, you know that promoter expects you to show up with the boys at five o'clock. Um, one of the shows that I did recently, um, I was working that day, and the the message thread said call time is five o'clock, and I was like, okay, I haven't been asked specifically to come do ring crew. I have to work today anyway. And then I showed up at five and the ring wasn't put together yet. So I ended up doing ring crew at five o'clock, which is totally fine. I'm happy to do it. Um, but, and most of the time, uh, if I'm not working my shoot job that day, I will be there to help set up the ring. Um, sometimes that expectation is put on me. Sometimes I put it upon myself. Um, it just, again, depends on the promotion, depends on the situation. Um, most of the time uh, you could be asked to do other jobs like uh, setting up chairs, like you said, or um, like at Limitless, one of Eric Greenleaf's jobs is uh, 
stamping hands um, in for the uh, the crowd waiting in line to get in. Um, so it could be any number of different roles and responsibilities that you'd have on the day of the show, picking up people from the airport, stuff like that. Um, just out of curiosity, you guys talk about putting out the chairs and setting up the rings. At what point does a referee stop doing that? Like, is it after so many years in? Is it dependent on the federation? Is it, listen, man, you're doing this forever. You're always going to be helping set up a ring. And also, how long does it take to set up the ring? Just out of curiosity. I Real quick, I will answer your first question by saying that Charles Robinson still is the one setting up the ring. Wow. He's like the last one in the building. He's vacuuming the mat before they take down the ring. Um, and he'll post pictures of him doing it still at this point in his career. So uh, the answer to that first question is it never stops. Okay. That's fair. And, and Nick, how long is the like, are you, are you still setting up rings these days? Are you gone? Are you gone big time? You don't do that. You leave that for the peasants now? Or That's not going to work for that me, work? brother. No. <laughs> That's extra pay. That's another envelope, brother. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> now, you, you, we, I still do it, actually, uh, from time to time. But it depends on the promotion. Some promotions actually have their wrestling schools attached uh, to the shows, too. We'll, they'll actually have the students literally do everything. Um, you know, a good ring can actually take just about, you know, if you have enough, you know, enough hands on deck hour and a half with the most you know not even not even nice well when it comes to to doing all these extra things um when it comes to some of the promoters themselves obviously we're not naming names but i'm sure in your time in wrestling both of you guys have made the determination after a certain experience yeah you know what that drive home I'm not really going to be coming back. What do you do when a promoter calls you and he wants you or she wants you to come back, but you've decided that it's probably not in the best interest for you to come back. Any awkward conversations or do they pretty much understand if you just graciously decline? COVID actually took care of one of my, uh, one of my water companies. Thank God on there um so you know god you know god bless that for something um <laughs> it on there but uh no actually it's literally you, you know i you know most people know me from um ccw is where i started at on there uh my last show with them was in february of 2020 um that was actually one of the anniversary i think the anniversary show at that you know at that time whatever whatever year it was you know being um uh celebrated um, after that, you know, the next month, uh, COVID hit and stuff like that. Um, they wanted to run a show down in Maryland uh, two weeks after lockdown on there. And I basically said, I'm like, yeah, I want nothing to do with that on there. I'm like, I, you know, I was there 10 plus years. I'm like, no, I want nothing to do with that. I'm like, there was, there was no pay or anything like that. And it was about a, about an hour and a half drive on there. So, you know, after that, I'm like. You know, COVID took over that whole year and stuff like that. They tried making a company. Well, they're you know they're back now, but they're not the same you know same type of company that they were back then. Um, they never even asked me to come back or anything like that. I kind of just I'm like, no, I'm literally done because they actually got caught up in the uh, the whole speaking out movement. You know, with the June 2020, all you know, all that stuff was going on. You know, at that time they got caught up in that. I'm like, no, I'm like, 
I want nothing to do with that. I lost too many bookings because of, you know, working for that company back then, you know, and I'm like, I put them, you know, my back burner, you know, so that's, you know, that's why H2O is home, you know, right now. So. Nate, let me ask you. So, you know, when you're working and let's say you're, you're at the current stage you're at right now, you said five years in and you've got a lot of experience. I mean, there's no doubt about that and you can never replace experience. Do you ever have a situation where you assume promoters, if they run shows monthly, are going to call you? Or do you make it a note to say, hey, you know what? I know what their schedule is. I'm going to touch base with them. At what point do you, and maybe this doesn't sound right, be proactive versus, hey, you know what? I'm going to wait for them to give me a call. Or is it a combination of both? Yeah, it... I feel like my stock answer for everything has been uh, it depends on the promotion. It depends on the promoter, but like there has been a a number of promotions that I've worked for that have been like, you are like in the family. Okay. Um, And so then at that point, I feel like you can kind of step back and be like, okay, I'm going to get a phone call. There are other promoters that will say that to you, but then are, uh, you know, maybe bad at communicating and so you have to follow up with them um or uh i remember there was a company that i uh worked for that uh i would never hear from the promoter specifically about dates but i would see the dates listed out on like facebook or wherever write them down in my calendar and then just show up and i would be on the show um you can't always do that uh again it just depends on what the situation is um other promotions that i've worked for a number of times i still feel like i have to show up and uh show up at like noon or whatever and help out with absolutely everything just to hope to get on the show um it again it really just depends i'm glad you brought that up that's a a really good point um We've heard this before from a lot of wrestlers we've interviewed, and they say, you know what? If a show is close to where I'm at, I'm going to grab my gear, throw it in the car, and just show up and and just kind of make myself available. Be proactive. Go that extra step. And and you kind of touched on it, Nate. Let me ask you this, Nick. Is it a situation where you're willing to do that? Or, again, is it maybe not necessarily looked upon the same way as a wrestler? No, no, it's like I bring, you know, even, you know, to, on rare instances and stuff like that where I'm actually hanging out at shows, actually just watching as a fan and stuff like that. I'll have my gear always in the car. You no, know, it's always, you know, it's always washed right, you know, the next, you know, the next day from doing a show and stuff like that. It's, you know, that's that's always key and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it's not, it's not, you know, not looked down upon or anything like that. I'm like, that's, that's, you know, that's literally, you learn that in wrestling school. I'm like, you should always have your gear no matter what. You know, you know if you're, looking to hang out, this or that. I'm like, you know, the good, you know, the good thing is, you know, you know, the main, main arena that's in South Jersey, I'm like, I only live 15 minutes from. So, you know, even, you know, even if I was at the arena with no gear, I'm like, I can really just drive by, you know, pick up, pick up my stuff from my house and, and, you know, and leave. But, you know, that's, that's literally, you learn that in wrestling school. I'm like, you know, always have your gear with you no matter what. It was, you know, you don't know who's going to get, you know, you know, get car trouble, you know, get, God forbid, get a car accident or anything like that. You know, you know, they're they're stuck working at their regular job, you know, you know, you know, examples like that. We've talked about money. Now let's talk about when payment is not in the form of money. 
It comes in the form of something else, whether that's food, Coke, a Sprite, uh, anything to that nature. Let's just say anything that's non-monetary. We're going to start out with Nate. Nate, let you me ask you a question. Coca-Cola, right? Yes, that's what it's I meant. soda pop Coke. No, whatever. Family show. Can't it, man. Um, <laughs> have you ever been offered anything other than than monetary? I mean, I know sometimes you say, again, you know, you, you work there because you want to want to build up a relationship with the promotion or you really want to, you know, so you're willing to sacrifice sometimes. But has it really been, you know, hey, grab yourself something at the concession stand or yada, yada, anything like that? Or is that just kind of all rumor and speculation? Uh. Yes, uh, that only happened to me one time, um, and I will name names. Uh, this Good, was, um, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was working in the Midwest at the time, and um, I was training in in Dayton, and I was there for the weekend. And there was a Rockstar Pro show on a Wednesday. Then they had a pay per view on a Friday, and so then a couple of the guys were going down to IWA Mid South on a Thursday. And I was like, hey, I'll hop in the car. I'll go down, uh, maybe get on the show. This will be great. And so um, I get there, and they only had one referee working the show, uh, the late Sean Patrick O'Brien, rest in peace. And he was super sweet, super awesome guy, uh, allowed me to work the show. So I went down just with the hope that I would get something. Uh, and so ended up never talking to anybody about money. But at the end of the show, there was a... Uh, a big speech by Ian Rotten about how nobody drew uh, any fans for the show um, and how uh, only he brought fans to the show. He and Larry D were the only two people that brought fans to the show. So nobody was getting paid. And so he pointed over to the concessions area and said, um, there's, there's hot dogs over there. If you guys want some hot dogs and there were only two left and one person took them and walked out the door. Wow. I mean, we, we've heard some stories about IWA Mid-South, um, so that, that's not a surprise. That's a scumbag um, move. That's not, that's not good. Um, That'd be rotten for you. Well, Nick, <laughs> Nick it's, it's your turn. Batter up uh, any time that whether it's IWA Mid-South or, or no. anywhere else that it's been, it's been food. Uh, Nick, I bet old... you can top that story. Uh, I, I don't know. This one is just this one is it's it's not really bad or anything like that this was actually uh this is back before i got married and stuff like that to my wife now um i used to always frequent a strip club uh like once a week and stuff like that uh, a lot of the you know boys and girls knew knew that i would always go to strip clubs too on top of that um in the locker room so they they, they know what i do outside of uh outside of the ring and stuff like that uh as far as payment wise for a show they actually uh they actually took me out to um, uh, give me a paid dinner at a Crazy Horse uh, strip club that we actually have down. Well, I don't know if it's still here or not. Down in um, actually in um, South Philly, uh, very very uh, exquisite, you know, type of uh, Las Vegas type of uh, strip club on there. You know, right on right underneath the uh, the beautiful Walt Whitman Bridge. You know, it's um, hence the sarcasm in, in that whole thing too on there. But now it was that it's. Very, very, uh, I, you know, if it was still around, I'm like, you know, five-star dinner. I'll give him that much for his trip club. Wow. <laughs> a strip club under a bridge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Strip you have dinner. to get the shot before you walk in or on your way out. To oh, yeah. It, it's, 
Oh, it's both. You get it before oh, and after. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I guess my big question is, what kind of food did they serve at a strip club? I mean, oh, they have a full chef, full kitchen. Yeah. Oh, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was a whole like Las Vegas uh, style, um, wow. style place. Oh yeah, five stars. Open face ham sandwiches. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would have never, ever imagined. Wow. No. Nate, let me ask you, let me throw this one at you. Um, you know, we're talking about promoters and whatnot. Let's say it is an extended uh, distance, right? Is there anything that, I mean, are you expected to pay for your own travel as well? I mean, or, or are they willing to throw something in there in addition to your your pay itself? Uh, again, it depends. Um, the, like if you were to have a conversation with a promoter before you start working for them and say, Hey, I'm traveling, uh, three hours to get to this booking. Uh, I would like to be paid X amount and you guys agree upon that. And that covers your trans then great. Um, sometimes the promoter will say, say it's a company that is three hours away and uh, it's good visibility. It's on IWTV or whatever. And you think this is a good move for your career and your base rate is X, but you ask them for Y and they say, uh, how about X? You have to then decide, is this, you know, am I going to have a good time? Is it beneficial for, for my career? Uh, would I rather be doing this than sitting at home on my couch? versus uh getting you know whatever money uh you th you think you should get butster's got a follow-up to to that one as well like, like how far is too far like has it ever I, been like obviously like i know nick you're you're in jersey i mean yeah i'm very i'm very outside of philly yeah if somebody calls real quick hey i got a show in Oregon. You know, Holy you're not, crap. You're not doing I thought you were going to go Virginia or something. Oregon. I'm, I'm Canadian. I don't know the American <laughs> well say geography well. Give me a break, okay, boys? I'm trying here. Fine. I don't fucking... Iowa. Jeez, I don't know. Iowa. Fern. Good God. Uh, let, okay, Fern. he's in Jersey. Okay. Let's say it's PPW in Pennsylvania. Uh, Hazleton, yeah. Is that? I don't know how far that is. Anyway, it's Fern. You're probably, I assume you're not going to be like, yeah, man, I'll do that for a piddly amount. If you're driving five, six hours, like, what is your cutoff? Or is it just, hey, if you're offering me enough cash, I'll fly to Timbuktu. <laughs> well, I know I would. But like, is, is there a cutoff or what's, how does what's the general rule of thumb for that? Usually the, the one thing I'm like, I'll, you know, not... This is not not to offend the the northeast wrestling or anything like that. Sorry, Nate. Um, I try to avoid the northeast in the winter time, actually, uh, to be honest with you, because I'm not driving in the snow and the extreme cold, yes. you know, and stuff like that. You know, it's like That's fair. sometimes I'm like, you got to use your head with that stuff nowadays. You know, it's like I'm not going to be broken down in the middle of nowhere, you know, with absolutely no lights, no heat, no nothing. You know. You know, that's where I'll purposely just not, I'm like, all right, you're, you're up in Boston. I'm like, ah, it's, you know, January. 
uh, you know, yeah, probably not, you know, and stuff like that. I'm like, how I even do that nowadays around here too. On top of that, because I'm like, we get the uh, we get the uh, the cold winters where it's going down to like, you know, the twenties and the teens and stuff like that. I'm like, I'll even avoid that, you know. But but uh, it, it's like really nip the twenties. Oh yeah, I, I know you're up in you're up in your where you would like Saskatchewan like or something like that. Yeah. I'm in Ontario. <laughs> I know you are. So I'll, I'll tell you the reason I had to step off camera a minute ago. We got a nice storm happening here right now. Yeah. My neighbor came over. He's got a branch down across his driveway. He came over to ask my wife if I could get my chainsaw to cut it up for him. That was why I had to step off camera for a minute. I said, yeah, I'll do it after the show. I'm sure the neighbor is going to love me at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it is it is a good thing. I mean, Nate, sometimes no matter how much you're wanting to work with a promotion, you have to admit at the end of a long day, a long week, you know, at the regular job, sometimes you, the last thing you want to do is jump in the car and be in there for God knows how long. And, and like Nick mentioned, the weather could be a factor as well. So does that sometimes make you say to yourself, all right, this um, I'm going to draw a circle around the map. This is where I'm willing to go. Anything outside of that has to be a pretty special, unique situation. Sure. Absolutely. Um, like, I will say one of my uh, home promotions right now, one of my regular bookings is three and a half hours away from me and uh, doing, doing that drive there and back in one day, specifically, like you were saying, Nick in December where I'm getting home at three 30 in the morning and then I have to shower is not my favorite thing in the world. Um, but, uh, the the shows are just unbelievable they're a blast i love doing them and so i may you know curse the heavens at uh 11 30 where i'm in you know i don't even know where massachusetts and i'm still far away from maine um but uh, i will always go down and do those bookings um it just, yeah, I, it's, there might be a time where I don't want to do that drive anymore. Um, and I'll cross that bridge when I get to it, I guess. But uh, I'm not thinking about that right now. So when you guys are traveling for a show, so like you said, you're three and a half hours. And you decide you're staying in whatever the town is or the city is. What's the guideline for a hotel? So you're 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 paying for this out of pocket. Are you looking for the cheap hotel? You're looking for the comfy hotel, motel, you're going Airbnb. Where what how does how does that work? Hold on, isn't Airbnb somebody's house? Yeah. Uh, yes, you've I'm never out. rented I'm an out. Airbnb. I, no, I'm not sleeping in no dude's house. That ain't gonna work. They're not there, you fool. That doesn't matter. It was somebody's house. So it just wigs me out. Continue. As opposed to a hotel that's had a thousand people doing nasty things in that look, room. Look, look. I'll, I'll risk it. One couple. I'll risk it. Someone's probably herbs. died in that room. I'll, I'll roll that <laughs> dice any day. I am not they sleeping in some rando's house. Blocked her chair, probably. See, when looking for for a discount. 
All right. So statistically, Nate, statistically speaking, someone has probably died in the next hotel room that you will stay in. Oh well, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> what you hotels heard? are you guys staying at? Not good places. Yeah, I was gonna say if it's, <laughs> if it's cheap. I mean, if they're pulling the Mick Foley special here, oh yeah, for the cheapest. Pr- okay, so we know wrestlers. They'll try to put multiple people in a room, right? So let's say Nick and Nate, you're both you, you work in a show. How long do you have to know somebody and be tight with them before you say, "Hey, man, want to share a room"? I, I there there is no limit on anything like that. I'm like, if we're on the same show or no, we're doing the same you know same role. I'm like, hey, I'm like, if you got the extra cash and something like that, you no, know, you want to split a room? Hey, I'm all for it. I'm not sleeping in my car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sleeping in my car. I'm probably just going to drive home. Nate, what are you thinking here? You, you, you just <laughs> let's let, let's let's do a hypothetical. You you've just met Nick, right? You guys have both ref the match. You're having a good time. You're cutting it up. You're finding out that you both love maple syrup, right? You're thinking <laughs> I can get you a great deal on a jar. Oh my God! Did you watch Bob Newhart back in the day? I did. That was a great show. How about we spend the night together? At what? How does it get to the point where you feel comfortable enough to say, you know what? It's too crappy outside. Let's just go ahead and spend a room. Are you willing to do that? Or how long do you have to know someone before you say, let's go ahead and split a room for your own personal preference? Um, I, I would share a room with Nick. Sure. No problem. Have you guys uh, met before? We actually have not. No. Look at the, and you're willing to share a room together now. Look, look what we've been yeah. able to bring together. So if you guys are on a show together next time, there we go. One double bed. Go. What happens if it's one double bed? They don't have any rollaways. <laughs> I'm sleeping in the how bathtub. Many, yeah, how many blankets are there? Yeah, oh, right. you, oh, there's copious <laughs> blankets, my friend. Can you fashion a little uh, a little floor bed? Make a little pallet, as they call it, on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I've even said uh, no. I, for me, I feel like at that point you're probably not going to uh, be spending that much. You know, a show gets out at 10 30, 11, 11 30 p.m. You're uh, on the road somewhere, and then maybe 20 minutes later, at, at least, uh, if not more time, you're at you're you're finally at the hotel. Uh, you're probably going to get up maybe at like eight, nine, whatever, to hit the road again and go back home. Maybe you got to go to work the next day or whatever. You're likely not spending that much time in the hotel room. Um, so to answer your previous question uh, about, like, are you picking the nice hotel room? Or are you picking the cheap one? You probably end up getting what is nearby and what is serviceable. Um, and then, yeah, like, you're not going to be with whoever you're in that room with for very long. So I feel like um, it's, and you don't know at that point whether or not they're going to be a loud snorer or anything like that. And so it's, you just do what you got to do, I guess. Either one of you guys seen planes, trains, and automobiles? <laughs> oh, man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's me and the butster the first time we were in a, in a hotel room together. I'm thinking, have you never watched Criminal Minds? I'm not sharing a room. It ain't happening. <laughs> So let, let's let's kind of go along the lines of you're at the hotel, motel, whatever it may be. Not some random dude's house. That's weird. Um, do the refs go hit the bar as well with the with the the wrestlers? 
Is that just, see, that's the big thing I'm trying to figure out. Is there a fraternity of the wrestlers, a fraternity of the refs, or is it everybody just kind of co-mingles? Really curious about that. Nate, what's your experience as if it's like, hey, you know what? It's not too late. Let's go out and have a little bit of fun after the show. Does everybody kind of do their thing, or does it depend on how long you've been with the promotion? If you've only been there a couple times, you're like, hey, I'm not really in. Or do you just say, you know what, I'm going to go and socialize? Uh, so uh, personally, I don't drink. And so going out to the the bar with everybody's not my idea of fun. Okay. Um, and also I do have a, a, a certain amount of like social anxiety. And so it for me personally, it will be a situation of like, I look at the locker room, like, uh, you know, a high school click situation where I'm like, where am I going to find my place, to, my table to sit at for lunch? And I look at the table with a couple of people in stripes and I'm like, there we're on like a level that I can just like, I can sit down and be like, can I sit here and uh, feel however briefly like I belong. And I'm sure I could do that anywhere. Uh, it's just personally how I feel. Um, but, you know, the the regular home promotions that I work for, um, that's not an issue. Like, the locker room is great, and I can hang out with anybody. Um, but it's more like if I'm at somewhere new. No, that makes sense. That makes complete sense. Nick, uh, what, what's your take on this? Is it, again, depending on how long you've spent with the promotion, how well you know everyone, or are you the type of person that says, you know what? What the hell, brother? Let's get to know each other. Uh, you know, every now and then I'd go out with, you know, the crew and stuff like that. Um, most of the shows that, you know, that I'm on, I'm like, we're getting done 11, 1130, you know, so like most of us were all, you know, we're probably at the building from like three, four, five o'clock on, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, at least we're, you know, most of us are all pretty beat, you know, in, you know, in that aspect. But, you know, I'll, you know, I'll usually go out every now and then, but you know, some of the locker rooms, you know, they'll have like their own little small, like small, you know, small clickish, you know, type things. Was they live near each other, you know, in that aspect, you know, you know, but it it really depends on where, you know, guys are, you know, guys and girls are going. I'm like, you know, we're going, you know, you know, I'm not much of a bar person as my as I used to be, you know, back in the day and stuff like that. You know, if we're going to a decent restaurant, you know, chain restaurant or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I'll go out, get a bite to eat, whatever. But you know, also depends on how close I am, you know, from home. You know, if I'm like, you know, if I'm two hours away, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably trying to find a Wawa or Sheets or something along the lines of that, you know, and calling it a day, you know, and then driving home. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. It's uh, there's no place like your own bed to sleep at night. You know yes. what I mean? There's no place like that. Let me ask you this. You're at a show. Uh, I'll start off with Nate on this next one. You're at a show and there's another referee, maybe a, a younger version of you in their in their first year. Are you apt to go give advice like, hey, you know, don't worry, don't be nervous, yada, yada, or anything to that nature? I mean, you know, sometimes people feel more apt to be giving advice or to talk to people or, you know, to, to kind of. You encourage some people who might be on an early show. Do you try to get to know some of the other refs that maybe you haven't worked with, or do you just say, Hey, you know what? They're going to work their thing. I'm going to work my thing. And we'll just kind of keep it at that. Yeah. Uh, so for me, just personally, I feel like 
while I have learned several things uh, and probably have some insights to share with people, I feel like with me being only at five years, uh, I'm not in a position to coach or train or anything like that. Uh, if somebody asks me, I will certainly tell them what I think. Um, or if there's a situation where I know like we have a student ref or whatever, uh, I'm not going to be the one to pull them aside and say, hey, I noticed this or you could work on this. But I will go to the trainers at the dojo or the, you know, the head referee at that promotion who is responsible for training them uh, and say, hey, just so you know, like I noticed them do this. You might want to talk to them about this or uh, whatever the case may be. Same kind of goes for you, Nick. Uh, I mean, as far as pulling people aside or if there is somebody new, you know, like a freshly out of school type of thing. And do you do you feel like, you know what, man, I really should probably say something to them? Or do you say, you know what, I'll talk to them after it's over and just kind of let it play out? I'll usually, you know, if there's, you know, uh, a new referee on a show or something like that, I'm like, I'll usually watch, uh, you know, his or hers match from uh, Gorilla. You know, just them watching on the monitors in the back and stuff like that. You know, even when I have them on there and I do assignments and stuff like that, I'm not giving them anything more than like a three, four minute match. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to over, you know, you know, overwork them. Like, oh, here, here's this match. They, they got 12 to 15. I'm like, and they're doing like, you know, seven falsies. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to give them something like that. I'm going to give them something very easy, you know, you know, basically watch them in the back and see, you know, see how they do that way. But, you know, like what Nate said, too, is like, I'm not going to go directly to them, you know, unless I'm instructed to. I'm going to go to their trainer, you know, stuff like that. That's, you know, at least that, you know, that's how this generation, you know, responds to it. You know, you know, some people don't like to take criticism nowadays. You know, it's what it is in that aspect. You know, that's why I even I even watch my P's and Q's with some people. I'm like, all right, they don't like criticism. I'm like, I keep it to myself. I'm like, you know, I'll tell the uh you know, tell the booker or the owner of the company, like, here, here's what, you know, such and such has to work on. And just to touch on what you said there, Nick. So when you go to a, a, a trainer and you say, you know, referee X could work on this, could work on that, did this, did that. Generally, how does that go? Some people get their, their panties in a bunch and feel slighted by you saying that or, is it generally received half decent at least, or what's the deal there? It, it, it almost really depends on that person. You know, sometimes, you know, there's, there's some people that I know that, you know, they were making uh, referee graphics for themselves. I'm, hey, I'm accepting bookings, but I don't see them at shows. I'm like, and it's like my own promotion. You know, I'm not going to call them out or anything like that, but, you know, they make it like, oh, hey, I'm taking bookings for, you know, refereeing and stuff like that, but you know, I tell them about this. I'm like, hey, you know, if anybody follows the, you know, H2O stuff, I'm like, we're doing, you know, we do the uh, Uncharted Territory on IWTV every Monday night. I don't see them. I'm like, this is, we're going to go to, we're going to be in episode four. I seen them at, I seen them at one episode so far. I don't, I'm like, I kind of really can't put you on shows if you're not going to show up. And then I see you on social media bitching about it. Yeah, you can't have both of it. <laughs> 
You both had kind of mentioned, you know, IWTV and whatnot and, and getting exposure, which is great. Would you say you're more apt to work for a promotion that has a a greater reach, which means you're going to get some greater exposure? Not to say you're going to use the promotion, you know, for your own, you know, your, your self-growth, but I mean, that definitely plays a factor as well. Um, you know, the wrestlers, I mean, that that's an audition for other bookings that they could get as well. Do you look at that and go, wow, there's going to be a show, but then there's going to be another show that's going to be streaming. Or do you say, you know what, a booking's a booking. I'm going to take it regardless. Or is there any appeal to the fact that maybe this could just catch somebody's eye? Um, let me ask you, I'm going to first start with Nate on that one. What, what's your What's your take on, do you part and parcel out different things? Or do you say, you know what, hey, this is the money. This is what he wants me to do. I'm going to go ahead and do it. I think for me personally, a booking is a booking. And while it's certainly nice to be on IWTV or other, another like, you know, big streaming service, um, I find just as much, uh, I can get just as much out of a show that nobody's going to see um, because then you can, um, it's, for me, I don't get up to uh, the school here in Maine as often as I'd like to. Um, and so I can sort of use shows that aren't televised, aren't publicized, aren't put out there as sort of like, oh, if I need to work on, uh, if I like recently, I've just lost the ability to slide. I don't know where it went. And I like, I don't, I don't do it. And so I can use a show that is not going to be streamed to sort of practice sliding. Or um, if I've, you know, if I find that I've recently been getting in the way far too often, then I'll, again, use that, that type of show as, uh, as a situation where I'm like, okay, here, I'm going to focus a lot more energy on trying to uh, get out of the way uh, trying to uh you know get in close on the counts and then sort of like uh, like red shoes rolls at in in new japan he just rolls out of the way i'm like i'll never do that but something like that or he'll like uh grand metalik like jump on the ropes and spin around and everything um again i won't do that but that type of like evasion um, I could work on on uh, a show that you know twenty people in the audience are going to see. Same thing for you, Nick. Is there uh, is there any more gratification, or you know, you're looking at it and you're thinking, "Man, I've been doing this for a while," and and more exposure, obviously, to see where else I can get. Or are you at the point where you're like, "Man, I'm really content. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. It's something that that makes me happy." If it goes somewhere else, great. If not, I'm okay with that. No, bookings a booking is how I take it too. On top of it, basically, you know, if you're if you're being streamed, you know, wherever, you know, I, I basically that's a plus, you know, nowadays too. That's kind of just where I, you know, leave that as it doesn't matter, you know, where it's at, you know, on there. But you know, I I probably have more fun on the non-streaming shows to be honest with you. You know, you know, because I can, you know, there's more interactions, you know, with the crowd and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm not being, you know, I'm not being yelled in my ear, you know, if I'm wearing, you know, you know, an earpiece or anything like that, you know, but, you know, it's like, 
I, I just what Nate said too. I'm like, I can practice on different things. I'm like, you know, if I'm getting in the way of the floor cam or something like that. Oh, all right. I, you know, I can work on, you know, you know, smaller stuff like that, basically. But, you know, that's, that's basically a, you know, streaming company nowadays. I'm like, that's, that's basically, a, you know, a plus, you know, in our books. It's, it's kind of like how you'll hear wrestlers talk about the difference between doing television and doing house shows. Well, and, and I was about to mention that too. Um, obviously, it's a different style. I mean, I'm assuming I'm, I'm making a giant assumption here, Nate. So we kind of open that door here. When you're doing it for television versus you're doing it for a house show or a spot show, um, what things would would change the way you would do things? Your repertoire, the this, the that, um, or or maybe it wouldn't. So kind of enlighten me on that. Yeah. Um... Uh, again, it sort of depends on the situation, but like if I'm the opening match on, on a show that's not streaming and not going to be taped and not put out anywhere, uh, and I'm in the ring at the beginning of the show when the ring announcer is introing the event, uh, you know, I might be in the ring, like geeing up the crowd and getting them to like get into it more. Um, I might play to them more than I would on, you know, a, a big show or a streamed show or anything like that. Um, differences like that will happen. Nick, what about you? Do you feel like uh, there's some, some subtle differences? I mean, clearly, you know, things that go on streaming and, and whatnot, there's one thing in the use of, like Nate said, you know, if it's not necessarily going to be, you can, Maybe take more liberties, if that's the, the best way to say that. You can do different things as far as really allowing your personality to come out. Yeah, not non you know, non-stream shows, you know, you know, like I said, you have more you can have more interactions with the crowd and stuff like that. Uh, you know, more on the TV side, I'm like, I know Nate can uh, uh, attest to this too. You know, I I was back in the beginning of the year, I was working with uh, MLW um on there, and they were doing the uh the couple couple uh, shows I was I was there with they were on the they were on the TV for reels um, stuff like that of course you know you know we're all you know we're all mic'd up you know in your pieces and stuff like that too and we're constantly getting time cues this and that um, but you know it's uh, I'll you know I'll let it out my corp hours basically yelling in your ear um, everybody at ringside is on the same channel oh, so you know if court's yelling at somebody. He's not really yelling at you. He could be literally yelling at the ring announcer, which actually I had one time uh, before. Under he was actually just reaming the ring announcer out. I'm like, and I can hear the whole conversation. I'm like, ah, yeah, this is you know super uncomfortable <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, thank God this stuff goes into po- you know post production. You know, so you know all that stuff's you know gone. But you know, you know, you have four or five, six different people on the same channel on your uh, on your earpiece. I'm like, it's. It's it's very very nerve wracking because you don't know who exactly he's yelling at, and I'm like, but you know he's yelling at somebody. <laughs> wow. Um, it's something I want to ask you. I, I you know this is your first episode, Nate, and and it's been awesome so far. Thank you so much. Is there anybody you know when you decided I'm going to do refereeing that you looked at and you thought, man, I really like what they do, or I like their style? You know, either Tommy Young or 
Earl or Dave Hebner or Nick Patrick or, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, was there anybody that you thought really did the refereeing, you know, really well and you like, man, I really like what they do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like when I was uh, younger, uh, before I ever even thought about getting involved in wrestling, you know, I'd look at somebody like Jimmy Corderas um, and be like, that dude's good at his job. Um, or uh, like Teddy Long, Tim White, those guys. Um, I just, I always noticed the refs uh, even more than like, obviously, um, like you were talking on one episode, Mr. Butt, that uh, like everybody knows Earl Hebner and it's like he was put front and center. Um, but at that time they were putting every ref's names in the broadcast, at least JR was. Um, and so like, I would be like, oh, that's Tim White. And like every time I'd see him, I'd be like, that's Tim White. And um, they were like, they were their own characters. And so I would follow them even before I got into the business. Uh, and then when I got in, um, one of the guys that I watched and, you know, say whatever you want about him personally or what have you. Nick's probably got some stories about him, but uh, I thought Drake Wirtz at the time was an excellent referee to watch. <laughs> uh, of course I got stories yeah. about him. Yeah. Uh, and again, say what you say, whatever you want about him. Um, but I don't think you can take away the fact that he was an excellent referee. Um, now, uh, the one that I personally love watching, and there's a bunch of really good refs on television. Uh, but right now, my personal favorite um, is Stefan Smith. I just think everything yes. he does is just like, <laughs> I can't even explain it. He, he's so crisp. He's so good. He's everywhere that he needs to be all the time uh, is uh, to me, he's like one of the best out there right now. Uh, any retorts, any jumps in there, uh, Nick uh, on that uh, before we, uh, we kind of wrap some stuff up. Anybody that you said that you really liked um, or that you liked their style or maybe I, you know, we hear ref or um, wrestlers say, I'm going to steal that move. I'm going to steal that. I saw that. I like that. Is that in the ref world too? Like, ah, I like that. It, not not to toot my own horn here. I actually had a referee come up to me actually at a show. He's like, you know, hey, I, I watch what you do during death matches, how you just nonchalantly get rid of, you know, you know, you know, basically all the shrapnel and break, you know, breaking down glass and stuff like that. But you do it, you know, a way that, you know, I don't really know that you're actually doing it. You know, and I was like, you know, I actually appreciated it. He's like, it's like, yeah, hey, by the way, I'm like, that's how I actually do it now, too. I kind of steal what you do. I'm like, no, I appreciate that because I'm like, I'm not going to be doing this that much longer. So I'm like, little things like that. I'm like, if, you know, if people, you know, you know, watch it that way, you know, hey, I, I appreciate it. In a future episode, we're going to talk a little bit more what uh, what Nate said about the referees being characters and what's that like? How did that all begin? And are there referees nowadays that are characters? Maybe too much. Um, I did want to kind of close on this one since we're getting pushed against the hour here. A match that I saw, oh gosh, a long time ago. I couldn't even tell you what year it was. Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan. And Bryce Remberg did that match. And the level of talent and for, okay, don't laugh at me. I was into the match. I was into it, dude. I was so into it because he did such an amazing job. 
So let me ask you this. Did both of you see that already? Have you seen that before on the YouTube or whatever floating around? Yeah, I've seen it before. Yeah. Okay. I was I was actually there in the oh building. Oh my god! I and I was one of the guys, I was one of the guys that caught them off the balcony dive. Oh, the balcony. So let me let me go first to you, Nate. That that that's talent. That's a lot of talent. One hundred percent. I I can't even begin to imagine uh, that level of confidence um, that that person has to have in, in what they do, and I think. A lot of people really respect Bryce, but what was that like just in the in the environment that that was? I mean, was that something like, damn, this, as far as referees, really, really stood out wonderfully? Oh, it was unbelievable to watch. Uh, I don't think there is a person in this world that could do that except for Bryce Remsburg. Um, just, <laughs> it was unreal to watch. Um, there's one person in the ring. That is it. And you think that there's three when you watch it. Uh, The, like you said, the level of commitment, uh, the undeniable skill, the storytelling, uh, and obviously the storytelling aspect of it is not just Bryce. Like I'm sure other people put it together or I actually, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they just said, Hey, you do what you want. And maybe he came up with all of it by himself and he's even more incredible, incredible than I thought he was. Amen. Um, the, but like the commitment to it and not just from him, but from the fans too, like even f- right from the very beginning, you could see almost all of them had the same eye line yes. when invisible Stan was walking down the entranceway. <laughs> like they all turned their heads at the exact same time. Like everybody was there to have fun and be in it, uh, which made it that much better. Um, but yeah, it is, an incredible performance that I cannot uh, talk highly enough about. I agree, Nick. Uh, y- your takeaway when you when you saw that? Well, a lot, lot, lot of people don't realize. I'm like, you know, I, me, me and Bryce worked together back at Jakarta back in the day. But Bryce actually has, you know, does. Um, I don't know if he. I, I highly doubt that he does it anymore. He actually does sketch comedy uh, at that time too. Uh, on the side, I don't know if it was uh, was it uh, called Secret Pants or something like that. I think it was based in Philly. Um, so he's actually got a comedy background in him, wow. you know, in that aspect. So that actually just adds to the whole the whole presentation of what he did, you know, during that whole thing, too, on top of that, which most people probably don't realize unless they know his background. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Mr. Butt? I'm just, just getting back to the invisible man, invisible stand. How would you even do that? Like, how... How does that go in, in – so you're having your meeting. Okay, this is what we're doing. I, I just don't know how you could pull that yeah, off. Great question. Again, <laughs> nobody in this world could do that except for Bryce. I would love to get Bryce Remsburg on here with you with you guys and literally just hear all of the Invisible Man, Invisible stand Like that in itself – has blown the only thing that would be any more incredible is if somebody got color that night. If that would have happened, I think I would have just passed out and I would have said, That's it, I had a good life. I've seen the greatest wrestling experience ever. Um, incredible thing. Um, before we before we say our final farewells this week, uh, Nick, give everybody the details how to find you, where to follow you, all the good stuff, and let the audience know. Uh, Facebook.com slash uh, 
Ref Nick Papa G. Same thing on uh, Twitter, uh, at Ref Nick Papa G. Um, you can actually uh, see me at uh, the next H2O show, which is actually this Saturday. Uh, where are we at? Uh, November 25th. Um, actually, Williamstown, New Jersey. It's uh, called Last November. Um, it will be streamed live on uh, IWTV uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, you can also catch uh, Uncharted Territory every Monday night. Uh, 8 p.m. live only on uh, IWTV. I believe we have uh, about maybe like four or five more episodes left. I think it actually is a week before uh, week before Christmas that uh, wraps up. Now, can they get that stuff on demand as well if they want to catch up and binge watch? Uh, yeah, last night's episode from uh, Uncharted is actually already up. It was actually up about an hour after the show was over, um, up on, on demand. Um, usually, same thing with the regular H2O shows. They're usually up within... Uh, within like the next like twelve hours after the fact, because they do a little little more post production than that, you know, since there's a little little more a um, little more action. Um, Uncharted is usually between like five six matches, give or take. At least last night's uh, was six matches, I think. Um, the regular eight shows are usually about like nine matches um, on there, so a little, little more in depth in that aspect. I like it. Nate, tell everybody the details. Where can you be found? Bookings, contact information. All info. Yeah. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is where you'll find me at RefNate Speckman is the handle for both of those. Uh, you can reach out to me on there. I think also my email address is on there for bookings. Um, in terms of my next show, I think I'm done for this month. Um, there's, uh, I think I only have one show in December, uh, Limitless Wrestling on the 16th of December. Mm. Uh, I believe we'll be streamed live on IWTV. Um, we usually are, uh, barring any sort of like technical difficulties. Um, but yeah, check us out there. Um, you can go to limitlesswrestling.com for information about that or follow them on Twitter, uh, Instagram. I think it's at Limitless Wrestling for both of them. Um, or youtube.com slash limitless, limitless wrestling. You'll find a bunch of matches on there bunch of my matches on there if you feel like watching them nice and if people would like to continue this conversation and ask more questions about refereeing or hey how do i get into the industry uh are your dms open for anybody who has some questions inquiring minds yeah absolutely awesome guys thank you so much for taking time out of your evening we'll be catching up with you guys next week thank you so very much thank you thanks guys appreciate it have a great Thanksgiving, guys. Butster, man, how about this? Week three, episode three, finding out more about the refs. I'm digging this, man. This is good. It, it's nice to get a, a look behind the curtain. It you is very, very much so. Because we hear about wrestlers and what goes on. But when you look at it from the, the referee's perspective, I mean, yeah, it's, it's excellent. Because the stuff you don't think about it or don't know about i like it i'm having a good time with it we need to keep this up i, I tell you what i mean from from episode one you know but basically breaking into the industry then we had episode two last week and now you know basically bookings and, and dealing with promoters i think there's always things that wrestling fans are always curious about and what i mean by that is is that you see so much but there's so much more that you miss if that makes sense like I, I was talking to a few wrestlers before and they said, man, there's so many more things that happen behind the curtain than whatever happens 
on front of the camera and on the other side of the curtain. So it's just, it's really cool to be able to hear, you know, the fraternity of referees and, you know, getting booked on a show and how far they're willing to travel and, and whatnot. So I think it's really interesting. Uh, got a really, really good show lined up for next week uh, as well. So if you're digging this, please, by all means, share the our link. Uh, I usually put them up on my Twitter. I'm at the Mike Freeland, T-H-E-M-I-K-E-F-R-E-L-A-N-D. We're basically on anywhere you can get your fine podcasts, uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, uh, FM Player, uh, iHeartRadio, you name it, and we have got it. Um, I, we were talking about the Will Ospreay thing before we we went into the referees. I uh, I want to talk to you also really quickly about this one. We kind of teased about Ronda Rousey, and I don't know if you heard about this, but she made her debut in Ring of Honor uh, last week, and she was a tag team partner for Marina Shafir. And her and Marina obviously were, were both in UFC, um, Jessamyn Dukes was also a UFC person as well. So was Shayna Baszler, you, you name it. They were all MMA people. I don't think she's with the company with the ring of honor AEW right now. I think she was just there because she lives in California. And obviously it was kind of those, Oh, that's really cool. We never got a chance to work together. What the hell? Let's do it. Do you think in your own opinion, a Ronda Rousey coming into AEW would be beneficial to the women's division, or do you feel like that ship has sailed? It'd give them a short-term pop. Uh, wouldn't be wouldn't be something long-term. It'd give them a big draw right off the get-go. Um, um, Ronda hasn't progressed in the ring, unfortunately. Not saying nothing bad, not cutting her up. I don't mean it that way. But, no, she's not what she was even first when she started. I think she's probably regressed, unfortunately, with her times away to go to Hollywood and, you know, for family issues and whatnot. Not issues, but for family time. She's probably taking a step back. Uh, she's still a big name. If she were to come into Ring of Honor AEW, sure, you don't get a big pop, but it's a short-term answer. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of longevity. Um, Ronda doesn't need it. They don't. They really don't need Ronda. No, I don't. I, I don't think they so, need her. But I'm. I'm just curious. Like if that's something Tony Khan would be. I mean, I know Tony. Tony Khan would be interested. He's interested in just about anybody who's a free agent. So yeah, that's a different story. That's no. Uh, it wouldn't be beneficial. It would be. I think it would just be Tony Khan fanboying out playing fantasy booker it wouldn't do anything for AEW or ring of honor outside of yeah you, you might pop a good rating but it's got no legs there's no future to it yeah um earlier on we were talking about uh full gear and you know, they I basically talked about how the Golden Jets, which was Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, actually ended up beating the Young Bucks to become the number one contenders for the tag titles. And, and they're kind of going along with a new storyline with the Young Bucks of being these petulant, whiny kids. And I, I don't know if it necessarily is what I would do. Um, there's a lot of things within AEW that I kind of question, as we said at the top of the show about booking and whatnot. But let me ask you this question. 
for as many things as we kind of scratch our head and say, what's going on here? Do you feel like there's one thing in particular, man, they really are nailing in this one out of the ballpark. Like this aspect is going really well in your opinion. Great question. Um, For me, realistically, anything involving Ricky Starks, I think is getting hit out of the ballpark. I'm not sure it's necessarily from a, a, a writing creative aspect. I think it's more of a, a Ricky Starks thing. Um, I'm enjoying the Christian Cage Edge feud. Yes. Or, sorry, Adam Copeland feud. I just think Christian Cage is coming off as such an asshole. Yeah, he... he, he, he and, and he's the nicest guy in the world from everything you hear. He's well, a super good dude. But on TV, he's a prick. He's like, oh, I hate your guts. You're just such a dickhead. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, he's yeah, playing I know it perfect. Is. Right? But, I mean, he's just a sarcastic prick. Talk about Nick Wayne's mom. It's the way she is hot. Don't get me wrong. But still, you can't talk about the young fellow's mom. Nah, you can't do that. You know it's just, I, and I think one of the biggest ring things with it is it's out of character for him personally in, in the real world. Jay would never say that. Right. Now, Christian Cage. He definitely would. He's just, a, just not a good person. Well, he's but, just a scumbag. Let me, let me ask you this. It was interesting because, you know, when we were talking about the TNT championship in, in, in just in general, it had been a hot potato. And we talked about that. It had been a hot potato. It was passed around so many times. We talked about it several months ago. Wardlow had it, didn't have it. You know, all these things. I really feel like as much as I was like, God, I really want a young guy to have it. You know, Christian has really kind of righted the ship with having it. Him having it actually was a really good decision because it's really kind of calmed things down. And, you know what? What's going to happen with with it? I, I don't know. I think it's kind of secondary at this point. Um, but I, I think he's he's doing great work right now. He really is doing great work. Um, so I give him a, a ton of credit. One thing that I I think that a lot of people are praising a lot. I'm not praising this one. Is that the Tony Storm character, the Marilyn Monroe 1930s stuff? Uh, I ain't digging that. I'm not digging that at all. Like not even remotely. Like it's annoying to me. Am I just being a cynical prick at this point? I mean, are other people you think enjoying this? Cause it's fun or I like the gold coast, Tony storm, Australia, the black paint under her eye, the hip attack, the badass. I just want to destroy you. This, this other stuff, uh, it's different. I don't mind it. And, and it's cause it is different. And I think that's what draws. It's not a bad gimmick, Mike. Really, it's not bad. Have you ever seen it before? Or if you have, has it been in the last 10 years or 15 years? I don't think I've ever seen it. It's not a gimmick that's been played, which is rare. We We don't get this often. I like it. It can be a bit much. It's a little over the top for me. We were just talking about Christian. His best friend is a fucking dinosaur. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Tony that's, Storm's over the top. Yeah, yeah <laughs> really. He talks, he talks to a dinosaur. That yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Right. He talks to a jacked up Bernie. Yeah, he does. So you might want to tone that one back a little bit. Yeah, I might want to walk that one back. Um, I I don't think I don't think it's a bad gimmick. It can be over the top. Yeah, it can be a bit foo foo or however you want to look at it. But is it much different than the um they were in WWE, the VOD villains? Oh, is it a huge step from that? No, it's better than that. It is better than that, but that in itself, that that in itself, I shook my head at. I mean, it was one of those things that you almost feel like creative said, "Well, we don't have something like this. Let's try it." And then after the first night, they thought, "Yeah, let's not do that again." Um, just it just didn't work out. But I, the same thing could be said, to be honest, about Orange Cassidy. I mean, Orange Cassidy was that very very comedic. Um, very Colt Cabana-ish. I mean, obviously from Chikara, which is a comedy-based wrestling school. But if you watched his match, and I know you read it about it on Bleacher Report, you need to watch the match against he and Moxley at full gear. I think they're slowly, and I mean this, slowly taking some of that sloth-like stuff away. And he's still going to do the, you know, the the wimpy punches and on the kicks and all that for to get the crowd whipped up, but they're really allowing him to fire up and they're allowing him to really keep that fiery momentum going. And I like it a lot. Um, were you an orange Cassidy guy? I can't remember. Were you always an orange guy or not so nope. much? I didn't care for it. I thought it was foolish. So what do you think about it now? Do you think now? I that like it, it now because it's evolved. Still got a little bit of that, you know, as you just said, the, the, the lazy kicks, the lazy punch. I always liked when he put his hands in his pockets and he'd run, he'd be doing the kip up and stuff, because that's pretty damn impressive. That's athletic as hell. Right. But I just I didn't really didn't care for I mean, he was like he was just a lazy ass. Right. That was that was his gimmick. I'm not speaking ill of him, but that was his gimmick. Didn't care, lazy, loafed around. Which is fine. Hey, did well for him. Got him in AEW. Right now, it's he still has a touch of that, but he's gone more away from that now. To where he's he's more of a wrestler as opposed to just a a gimmick. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense or not. A, a sideshow. A sideshow. Yes, and and I enjoy it. He's a damn good wrestler, Mike. He is a very good wrestler, and he's we're seeing great. that more so now that he got away from that comedy sloth gimmick still a little bit sprinkled in which is fine because that is his deal right but now that we're seeing him actually wrestle a little bit more said so jesus yeah he's got better it. than i realized oh and he beat john moxley cleanly and that doesn't happen very often in, in moxley putting him over like that i really feel like it's a testament of how well orange is respected <laughs> i agree do you remember the picture of him and jerry i do i do where they were picture. both dressed like that yes i do Tremendous, absolutely tremendous. Butster, it has been a great show. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I know that the world is ending right outside that window with that curtain, oh, and uh, there's gosh. nine nine inches of ice, and you have to get a chainsaw out, so I should probably let you. Uh, 
let you, you get going. You know damn well somebody's going to complain. You know there's somebody going to be pissed off about a chainsaw run at 10.30 at night. But Oh, sure they are. Sure they are. But you know what? What are they going to do? They're going to come out and slip on the ice and bust their ass? Well, the guy's got to get out of his driveway for work tomorrow. Not this my fault he doesn't own a chainsaw. Yeah. I've been at him for five years to buy one. Well, that's his own fault. Right, so I'm going to go cut up his tree and get it out of the way for him. Is he going to give you anything for it? Like a little cash or a little? I don't I don't know. It never has before. I cut trees down for him every year. Nothing? Nope. Nothing like a boysenberry pie or anything like that? Or Nope. Jeez, what a schmo. Hope he listens to this. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> so I'll go cut it up and, I don't know, see if oh, it won't take me long. It's just one good-sized branch. I'll be done nice. in 45 minutes. 45? 45 well you better you than me my friend well i gotta get changed gotta get my you no know, my warmer clothes on gotta get the chainsaw gotta get gassed up and nah, i won't take long well for our referees for the incomparable christopher butt i am mike freeland it's been so much fun again if you're enjoying this podcast share it friends family anyone you know the lunch lady Share it. Let people know. It's two guys having fun talking about wrestling. We've incorporated referees as well. It's just a fun way to pass the the week with an hour and a half show. So we do appreciate all the listens. All right. For Christopher Butt, I am Mike Freeland. We will catch you next time on the Front Row Material Break.